With Capella University's FlexPath format, you can set your own deadlines, learn at your pace, and access most coursework from anywhere at any time. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Today is Thursday, July 1st, 2021. On this day in 2002, the International Criminal Court opened its doors, targeting criminals from around the world who were otherwise untouchable by national laws. Welcome to Today in True Crime, a Spotify original from Parcast. Due to the graphic nature of this case, listener discretion is advised. We advise extreme caution for children under 13. Today we're covering the date the International Criminal Court began sittings to determine what cases they would pursue. Let's go back to the morning of July 1st, 2002. When the International Criminal Court opened its doors for business, it was a quiet day. The brand new offices, justice halls, and archives were empty and silent. The grand opening was less like the start of a world police headquarters and more like the founding of the world's most boring startup. But all that changed quickly. Lawmakers from 120 countries around the world filled in the empty rooms for one purpose only, to decide who they were going to bring to justice. The sitting started slowly. Since the ICC had agreed to only prosecute people for crimes committed after its founding, but anyone could tip off the court with a criminal case that required international judgment. First, they needed to establish a case against a serious villain who fit the profile that the international court was made to prosecute. The worst criminals of the 20th century were all untouchable in their homelands. Dictators, generals, business leaders, and shadowy multinational traders. They operated above the law, or their multinational black market dealings protected them through border politics and treaties. The only judicial entity that could put away men and women like these was an independent, impartial international court. Some temporary international tribunals found success over the previous 60 years. The earliest were the Nuremberg trials, which prosecuted Nazi war criminals after Germany's downfall. Despite its popularity, critics argued that it was less about law and order and more about the Allies showing off. Cold War tensions between the U.S. and Soviet Union slowed multinational efforts for decades. But when the ice thawed, tribunals started picking up steam again. In 1993, a U.N. group was established to judge the war crimes committed in Yugoslavia. The following year, a different tribunal began investigating the ethnic genocide in Rwanda. Reception for these early trials were positive, bad guys were put away, and the nations were better, safer places. This was the inspiration for a permanent court. On July 17, 1998, 120 countries approved a statute in Rome that would establish a global court. World leaders celebrated the move, grabbing each other and celebrating with tears in their eyes. 
To ensure their system was airtight, officials wanted the ICC's first official investigation and trial to set an example of what was to come. In 2006, Thomas Lubanga sat in an ICC holding cell awaiting trial. He was a Congolese military commander who led militias in the Ituri conflict, a bloodbath that left tens of thousands of soldiers and civilians dead. Besides driving the ethnic violence, Lubanga had ordered families to surrender an offering to the army, whether that be money, a cow, or a child. According to human rights watchdogs, Lubanga coordinated the recruitment, taking victims as young as 11 years old. Child soldiers in his armies were beaten, drugged, and thrown into grisly combat. The girls were forced into sex slavery. Lubanga claimed innocence, saying he was only fighting for his people and did not call for the use of child soldiers. When ICC prosecutors officially charged him, he negotiated a lesser jail sentence if Lubanga apologized for his actions. He did not. The trial wasn't easy nor graceful. It dragged, stretching from January 2009 to July of 2012. Lawmakers around the world balked at the sloppiness and human rights groups hounded the case. Mistrials were declared several times, only for appeals judges to bring Lubanga right back to court. Despite the mistakes, the three-person tribunal found Lubanga guilty of enlisting children under 15 for war, though he was never charged for trafficking minors for sex. Judge Adrian Fulford handed down the 14-year prison sentence. As he read out the sentencing, the former warlord was cold and unbothered, covering his mouth with his hand as if considering what the judge was saying. The proceedings were ultimately a win for the ICC. However, over the next decade, the court would face bigger obstacles and more powerful opponents. And a major problem would reveal itself in who exactly the ICC was allowed to go after. Up next, the International Criminal Court starts to crack. The CIA. They're the first line of defense for the United States, analyzing intelligence to thwart any possible threats and keep us safe. Some of their involvements are made public, and others aren't. Hi, it's Carter from Parcast, and in honor of America's birthday, we're uncovering the cases you were never supposed to know about in the new series, Conspiracy Theories CIA Edition. From international assassination plots and mind control experiments to catastrophic cover-ups and secret societies fit for film, sift through the agency's most questioned and controversial affairs. Each week, Conspiracy Theories CIA Edition exposes the covert operations intended to protect us from conflicts, but end up creating conspiracies. Where does the truth lie? Where do the lies end? And how much do we really want to know? Follow the new Spotify original from Parcast, Conspiracy Theories CIA Edition. Listen every Thursday, free and only on Spotify.
The Hargan women seemed to have it all. We were blessed. My mom was amazing. But detectives would soon discover... Inside the house, there were the bodies of two women. A story of betrayal you would struggle to believe if it wasn't true. I am just praying to God this is a sick joke. From 48 Hours, this is Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings, wherever you get your podcasts. Now back to the story. On July 1st, 2002, the International Criminal Court opened for business. With backing from the United Nations, the ICC was an impartial, independent court whose jurisdiction reached 120 countries. It investigated criminals who were not prosecuted by their home countries for genocide, torture, human trafficking, and more. After their first trial and sentencing of warlord Thomas Lubanga, the ICC was fully operational. It didn't take long for the court to realize that it wasn't people who were going to be an obstacle to their mission, but states. Of all the countries acting above the law, the one the ICC wanted to prosecute the most was the United States of America. However, the USA, Israel, Iraq, Libya, Qatar, Yemen, Russia, and China had all excused themselves from signing the Rome Statute in 1998. They claimed that the ICC had no jurisdiction, but they probably wanted to keep away out of self-preservation. In particular, the ICC wanted to investigate American activities in Iraq and Afghanistan. Witnesses reported that American troops and CIA agents repeatedly violated the human rights of civilians. If the United States recognized the ICC's authority, a lot of Americans could have found themselves in the white cells of The Hague. The other countries who didn't sign on to the Rome Statute also kept their distance from the court for similar reasons. The world's superpowers were apparently too politically powerful for international jurisdiction. The ICC was a small entity next to these giants, but the court had to contend with its own bias as well. As of 2018, 26 cases under investigation by the ICC were all for crimes committed on African soil. Critics argued that this gave the impression that only Africans committed war crimes, genocide, and crimes against humanity. African authorities accused the ICC of operating as a modern arm of European colonialism. In 2016, several African nations announced they would leave the Roman statute, including South Africa, Gambia, and Burundi. The ICC, which is made up of members from around the globe, claimed that they were only seeking to protect the well-being of the world, But as it turned out, they underestimated how much a powerful nation could get away with and how vulnerable smaller, less wealthy countries were. While the ICC worked to patch up its shortcomings, the U.S. threatened sanctions against the entity in 2018 if the entity pursued cases against Americans. Trump's national security advisor, John Bolton, targeted the ICC, calling the international institution illegitimate. 
David Sheffer, the lawyer who represented America during the founding of the International Court, remarked on his nation's double standard. As they policed the world's tyrants and gangsters, the U.S. believed itself to be above the law. The ICC stated that it wasn't backing down from threats, but for many, the court is too tainted already. In March of 2020, former Congolese warlord Thomas Lubanga wrapped up his 14-year sentence and became a free man. His lawyer announced that a cultural misunderstanding led to Lubanga's sentencing and that he was only a guinea pig for an experimental criminal court. The near future will be vital for the ICC to fulfill its promise and pursue world peace for all. If it wants to truly fight the good fight, the international court must change or die. Thanks for listening to Today in True Crime. I'm Vanessa Richardson. You can find more episodes of Today in True Crime and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. We'll be back with a brand new episode tomorrow in True Crime. Today in True Crime is a Spotify original from Parcast. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Juan Borda, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Trent Williamson, Carly Madden, and Bruce Kitovich. This episode of Today in True Crime was written by Daniel William Gonzalez, with writing assistance by Terrell Wells, and fact-checking by Amber Hurley. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Hi, it's Carter from Parcast. Every Thursday on Conspiracy Theories CIA Edition, we're uncovering secrets hidden deep within the archives of the Central Intelligence Agency to bring you a special collection of episodes from shows across our network. Follow the new Spotify original from Parcast, Conspiracy Theories CIA Edition. Listen free only on Spotify. Spotify.